You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Monday, November 20th, and I'm joined with Weston to celebrate another Victory Monday. How are you doing today, Weston? It's Victory Monday, Steph. I'm all, you know, <laughs> Monday seemed to be a little bit easier. The clouds are a little less. The sky's a little brighter. Work goes by fast. I'm great. I'm fantastic. I can't, oh, I can't wait to dive into tonight. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, it, it's always great when the 49ers win another one. It kind of seemed like this was a different type of win than maybe we had seen in the past with the 49ers. I only say that because it kind of felt like, it was interesting at, at some points where like the game kind of felt too close. So I don't know if this was, you know, maybe just them trying to get a taste of an ugly type of win. Uh, but again, a win is a win. I'm not complaining. I'm I'm just saying, I'm just speaking the facts. And I think it was mostly in, in the first half because the 49ers were making just some, you know, kind of, I don't want to say mistakes, but they were just doing things that kept the Bucks hanging around. And, and I pointed it out at halftime. You know, uh, I think Brock got sacked like three times in the first half. Uh, they were one of three in the red zone in the first half. There were three of six. They had five penalties uh, in the first half. So all those things helped contribute to the Bucks kind of like hanging around, I, I think, right? But at the end of the day, you know, the 49ers got the job done. So who are we to complain, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think it didn't start well, especially with the the opening drive, which has tend to been like when you're in Kyle's first 24 plays, those scripted 12 runs, 12 passes that he usually has, the offense seems to hum. Right. And then like fizzles out a little bit. And that wasn't necessarily the case. They got back on track. And I think they picked up all the momentum with that drive right before the half. And that carried into the second half. And that was proved to be enough. But I do agree that the game, even in the second half, I would argue there were moments where like, why does this still feel like a game? Like we were just up 20 points a moment ago. And I know we're up 13 right now. And that's two full possessions. But it feels a lot closer than, you know, the, the score would indicate but we'll, we'll we'll talk about it like things that could have gone differently and changed the complexion of the game yeah for sure one of the things that i i think struck struck out to me uh was just that the offense seemed to be back to its old ways and they that was pretty much where they had left off the week prior right so i mean they continue to stay hot maybe didn't score 30 points but they scored 27 and you know brock purdy and and a lot of these playmakers had a you know a big involvement in that so you know it really felt like they were back to looking like themselves right Yeah, two weeks in a row, you know, the offense looked good. I don't want to steal too much thunder, but I think Brock played his best game as a professional um, this this past weekend. I'd even lobby the defense, you know, for a second week. 14 points is nothing to sneeze at in the NFL, right, if that's what you're giving up. And I know people be like, oh, it's Baker Mayfield, that quarterback. But, like, yeah, like Rashad White's no slouch. Mike Evans is certainly no slouch. Chris Godwin is certainly no slouch. They've been getting a lot of production from the tight ends as of late. Um. You know, and I think there there were opportunities for the defense to put this game away. 
Um, and they they didn't, but they were the plays were there to be had, right? Like a Fred Warner dropped interception, a Dre Greenlaw dropped interception, um, even the Tashawn Gibson dropped interception in, in, in the end zone. Those plays, two of them go the opposite way, and maybe it's a 21-28 point type W versus the 13-point W that it was. Yeah, the 49ers are back on top when it comes to opponent points per game. They're averaging just 15.7. That's about where they started the season, right? Like they were at the top of that. They slipped a bit, you know, during those losses. Uh, But they're back on top, which, and, and, you know, the eye test certainly tells us the same uh, for this defense. So it it just kind of, kind of looks like they're getting back to form and, you know, we talked about some of the things that they did that maybe contributed to the Bucks hanging around, but it, it almost felt like at the same time, you know, I was just talking about this with the Ashley right before we went live, um, that it that it kind of felt like they they know that if they're on their best game, no one can beat them. And the only person that can beat them is themselves. Like so if they're making their mistakes, the they're really helping the other opponent, right? The the team right across from them. But if they just like focus and and they don't let that rattle them, like it kind of seemed to rattle them during the losses, pick it back up, get back in yeah. focus. And, you know, this game is yours. And that's what they did in this game. That was kind of the difference from one of the other, you know, uh, losses that we had seen from this team. It kind of felt like, nah, like we're not going to let you like get back in this. So while it did feel close at times, it was like, them kind of remembering who they were in this game. Yeah. Um, you know, I think these these last two games, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, I, you know, I certainly expected the Jacksonville game to be a, a much closer competition. Um, I didn't expect that the Bucks would give them a more difficult time than the Jaguars would. But these are the tune-up games coming out of the bye where you need to get hot because you look at the stretch yeah. coming right now over the next, you know, five, four or five games. This is it, right? This is the the tell all. This is the peek behind the curtain as to what this team really is, as they're they're, you know, making a, a playoff push. And you know, one thing that I think you talked about, Steph, that you know, like finding their identity and doing you know what they do well, and when they're clicking on all cylinders, they're a really hard team to beat, right? They they have to beat themselves versus the other team beating them. There's yeah. there's still like one piece missing for me since the the losing started, and even returning to the winning ways, the run game just feels like struggle bus, right? And that's when they put people away is when they can just grind out the fourth quarter, impose their will, you know, take your desire to want to finish this game, you know, out on their defense. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's been lacking. And I think it, it's directly attributed to like a, the O-line just feels a little bit more deficient uh, than potentially yeah. the it was at the the start of the season. But if they get that, even resembling what it was in weeks one through five with Brock playing this way, the passing game humming Kittle involved. I don't know what team in the NFL can actually stop them. I don't. I, I'm then I believe that. And I'm like the most critical and, and cynical of, of my team. And I, it's just, it's that run game. And that's the, uh, that's the true identity of what they want to do. And that just has not been there as of late. I do hear you. Like it, it does. Certainly, it's been better since uh, the bye week and and during those losses because they didn't have Trent, because they didn't have Debo. 
Um, but yeah, it hasn't been like, you know, Christian McCaffrey breaking off like a 50 yard gain, right? Like we were seeing mm-hmm. before, uh, that's kind of been missing. I, I kind of wonder if part of that has to do with just the way that maybe opposing defenses have adjusted to, you know, the 49ers run game as well. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of stri- like the strategy for a lot of opposing teams is to force Brock Purdy to throw the football. Right. Let's see what he can do. He threw some some turnovers during those losses. Let's see if we can get him to do it again kind of thing. Right. So I think they're kind of uh, just kind of forcing that game plan a little bit for the 49ers. But it hasn't been as bad as, you know, as it was during the losses. So you can hang your uh hang your hat on that but i'm i'm just trying to pull up the really quickly his efficiency yeah so 3.7 yards per attempt yesterday for christian mccaffrey and you know i recall there was the fourth and one where they tried to convert on a mccaffrey run and they couldn't get it it was that was weird right can we talk about that play for a second I was just going to say, like, the Bucks do have a good run defense, right? They have Vita Vea, run stuffer in the middle. That's kind of tough. So, I don't know if they, that had anything to do with it. They have a – I think they have an underrated defensive line, and it starts with big old Vita in the middle, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that man is an anchor. But more specifically on that fourth down, I might be in the, the minority here in this belief, but where we were, time remaining on the clock, what you're up, what that equates to, number of possessions, I understand you get the first down, you feel pretty confident you put that game away, but there is – why are you not punting that ball? I just don't understand why you're not punting that and making them go the field twice. You got to – you know, they need touchdowns, right? There's not a field goal to check. And now with an, an a shortened clock – Yes, you want to believe that you're confident enough that you're going to go get that yard, right? But at the end of the day, like, you don't. I mean, they got half the field to go. They can eat that up in 30, 35 seconds. And then the offense was stalling out a little bit there. So when they kick it back off to you, you go three and out. All of a sudden, this team's got the ball with two and a half minutes left to go, and they're down six. They're not even down seven, right? I I was just – I understand, yeah. right? The confident fan, the confident coaches, and the confident players say, I want the ball in my hand. But like if you step outside of that that chasm for a moment, it's like, just punt the ball. Don't, don't, don't get cute there. Just punt the ball. Make them have to go 80 yards twice, right? Like to to win. That's just that's just my belief. Like, I yeah. think you got to punt the ball there. Yeah. I mean, do you think it was Christian, like, you know, really making yeah. a case for himself to Kyle? Yeah. Like totally. Kinda- I, I kind of feel like uh, Christian has a has a way with Kyle a little bit. Like he kind of asked to do anything. Like I don't think he had to ask to try to get the record at the end of uh, you know last no. week's game. But you know, I I do think that he he keeps him out there a lot, and I think a lot of that has to do with because Christian wants to be out there. Like totally. he. He, you could see him when they pan to him on the sideline when he's not out there, he's like, he looks angry. <laughs> so I don't know if, if that's kind of the case. And, you know, maybe Kyle wanted to give him that shot, but I don't know. I, Hopefully we see the run game, you know, look a little bit better in these coming weeks and certainly against the Seahawks, because I don't think the Seahawks have as great of a uh, defense when it comes to defending the run. No, I mean, Bobby Wagner can still play, but he's aging, right? Yeah, you brought in Leonard Williams, I know, but they're still 
Um, you know, I fear them more when the ball's in the air. I think they're opportunistic in the secondary and they got some playmakers there. Um, but this is one of those games on a short week, like there's no better winning formula on a Thursday night football game, division game, rivalry game than running the football and running it well and just beating them up when your body's on short recovery, short rest. And I agree with you. I'm sure McCaffrey was on the sideline lobbying like we're going or like in that whatever, like lobbying for this. It reminds me of like the Cowboys Niners game from 21 where Debo, right? You've seen all those clips. Debo, Kyle, 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 Kyle. And he's like in there, we're going to put them. And you want that swagger, but the job as the head coach every once in a while is to protect the player from themselves. Like that's still your job, you know, like it's in the description. So again, I might be in the minority, but I just think what, what were we looking at? Three and a half minutes, almost four minutes left in the game. Just punt the ball. Don't get cute there. Just punt the ball. My opinion. Yeah, I agree. There was no reason for that. So yeah, hopefully Kyle maybe learned his lesson from that. But we got one more thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into the candidates for 49K player of the week. And that is the Telenohufunga injury. And as we know, it was confirmed earlier today by Kyle Shanahan that Hufunga suffered a torn ACL. Um, Fortunately, it's just an ACL and there isn't any other damage to any other ligaments in the knee. Um, but that's a tough blow, obviously, not just for Hufanga, but for, you know, the 49ers. And it's unfortunate. Next year, he's he's going to be playing for a contract, right? So I know it's a, a long time from now looking ahead, but, you know, just hope uh, that Hufanga has a great recovery and can come back stronger from it. Uh, but as far as the implications that it has for this season, I mean – we're talking about how tough the schedule is about to get for the 49ers, right? And not having Hufunga as part of that, it, this could be a, a different look for the defense in these next you know, few games. We're going to find out what it looks like with Jair Brown. Jair Brown had a pretty strong finish. I'm sure we'll talk more extensively about that in a bit, but what are you feeling about uh, telling a Hufunga injury and how, as a whole, like it impacts this defense? I mean, listen, you, when you're at this point in the season, you're making this type of push and you have the expectations that your team has, you want every piece of the puzzle there and present with you. And who doesn't love Huff's style of play and his excitement and his energy? Like, he's just a fan favorite. So, of course, we're all sour on that. I know he was an all-pro last year. Again, I might be in the minority, but I don't the, – the, the play and the results this year aren't the same as they were last year. And maybe that's a difference in how they're utilized – I feel like he's not playing as close to the line of scrimmage as he did last year, which is his strength, you know, versus being in coverage. He's had a couple of opportunistic big plays. It's a loss and it's a loss that will be felt. Um, and I don't, I don't say what I'm about to say to minimize, minimize the injury. Cause I do think there's going to be some impact to, you know, a secondary that's arguably the weakest link on the defensive side of the ball, but losing Hafunga is not the same thing as losing Nick Bosa, as losing Fred Warner. Even though they all have all pros attached to their, you know, their play last year, life will go on. Um, this team will still be competitive. There's enough pieces around to compensate for that loss. And now we get to see what we were probably hoping to see in in Jair Brown, right, with a third-round yeah. pick, we just thought it was going to look more like Brown-Hufunga versus Gibson-Brown, right? Like when 
when we got to this point of the season, I, I had expectations that Brown was going to play his way onto the field. Really did. Gibson has still been steady Eddie, right? Like, I mean, he's been Mr. Consistent and I, and I love it. I expected a lot of dip from, from last year, um, his play. Cause I thought he balled out, had his best year of his career. And then, you know, as we age, like, you know, it's, I struggle getting out of bed in the morning once in a while, you know, <laughs> back in the day I used to get out with a little like spring in my step, you know? So you just expected that. Um, but now we're going to see what you have in the rook and what you invested that draft capital in. But it's a loss, Steph. Don't, don't get me wrong. I hate not seeing number 29 out there, the hair flowing and him getting after the quarterback and making hits. I love everything about it. But we're really more saddened because it's just like a piece of the pie that that's not going to arrive to the party. The truth is the loss of Hufunga is not going to actually make or break this team season. And I I believe that, right? Like, I, I think now it's more like, like if, if it was number 97 down, 54 down, and you wanted to, the sky is falling and the world is coming to an end, I get it. I'd probably feel the exact same way, but I, I just I just don't feel the same way about this injury. And I wish him speedy recovery, all the nine, like yeah. I'm going to miss him, but show goes on. Yeah, I mean, I actually, like, I appreciate that perspective. It's not the one I was expecting, but, like, I, I think that's just the the nature of the NFL, right? Like, there's going to be injuries, and as a team, like, you have to be ready to just say, hey, like, that isn't going to make or break us next man up. Like, that. that's just how the mentality has to be. So, um, I mean, I, I don't think it's totally wrong to say that. And I, I think you're right. Like, I, I think – you know, the, the team drafted Jair Brown for a reason, you know, maybe they did think at some point he would get some opportunity this year. Maybe they, they didn't envision it happen it happening this way, but you know, that it, it you know, I, I think Jair Brown's going to be able to learn and be able to lean on some of these veterans on this team, the same way that Hufunga did when he was coming along. Right. So I, I think, uh, at the end of the day, it's it could be good for this defense, and we'll just see what Jair Brown brings. We got a little glimpse of it um, in in the game on Sunday, so let's just go ahead and jump right into 49K Player of the Week because there were a lot of really great performances, and I think a lot that kind of rival each other. And so I, I tweeted at you, I was like, this is going to be a really competitive 49k player of the week voting so let's get into some of our nominees and i'm gonna let you start weston who's your first candidate i almost feel bad Steph. this is your show this is your platform you let me tag along for the ride and i'm gonna steal the thunder and i'm gonna go with the low-hanging fruit and it's bcb mr brock purdy like there's just how is it not you know what i mean 21 of 25 333 through the air Three touchdowns, average 13.3, average 13.3 per an attempt. And the most important element of this, even though I still don't even know how they grade this thing, is a perfect 158.3 QB rating for the game. If you watch the game long enough and stuck around, you heard it mentioned 64 times that it was last done by Joe Montana and Steve Young. In the same year, in 1989, 
when I was a handsome seven-year-old man. That's how long we've been waiting on. You were a man at seven? That's impressive. I was a man out the womb, Steph, you know? <laughs> that is impressive, man. Uh, but Brock Purdy was a man, too. He was, and he definitely looked like a grown man out there on Sunday. Man, what a performance from him. I mean, I think, it, like, every week you'd say to yourself, is this Brock Purdy's best performance? Like, is this his best game? Was that his best throw? I mean, certainly that 76-yard touchdown to Brandon Ayuk is up there with them. And that one traveled, I think, uh, uh, Andrew Pasquini, the homie, he he so calculated funny. the air yards. He said it was 52 air yards uh, to Brandon Ayuk. And so for all the people who say like he can't throw downfield, all these things, that was a beautiful ball. And it was a dot. It was right where it needed to be. Yep. You didn't see Ayuk make any, you know, significant adjustment to the football. Um, I mean, that's just, that's what Purdy's doing right now. So yeah. He's it's, also the first quarterback to throw for 300 or more yards in back-to-back -back home games since Jeff Garcia did it in the year 2000. And I feel old uh, now saying that, but, you know, man, it's been a minute since the 49ers have had a, a quarterback this good, right? It, you know, for me, it's the manner and the style in which he does it, right? Like, he doesn't really, even when things aren't going well, he doesn't really give you this, like, rattled, you know, perception. Um, I think what I, the 158.3 is just like the exclamation point right like the cherry on top like i'm not even confident how they like truly score this because at one point baker mayfield had a higher qbr than he did in the game and i was or uh, rating in the game and i was like this doesn't even compute and make sense the stats don't align his team's not even winning it is what it is it's just like a, a flare stat for me but it's the layered throws like yes we talked about the deep ball the iu yeah. like that loft that arc but he is i mean he is something special with getting this ball over the depth of the linebackers into those crossing routes, whether it's Ayuk or Kittle coming across the field, even Debo a couple times, watching him get out of the pocket, buy time, enough time to plan his feet instead of even on the like the like when they'll have Skittle or Skittle, my, my mom calls him Skittle now. She got me calling him Skittle. When Kittle's coming across the formation in motion and is right out to the flat and he's booting around, even the poise just like set the feet, don't rush it like. Let's not make this an arm only throw. And then for me, what told me that this was his best game and this is going to sound crazy is I saw learning take place right before my eyes. It was early in this game. He tried to get out of the pocket and he got shoestring tackled. It was a sack, right? One of the sacks that you talked about yeah. and he was going to the ground and you saw him almost think about shoveling that ball forward. And that's either going to be a fumble or that's going to be, um, intentional grounding and he didn't and he took the sack and I was like there we go we are learning from mistakes and what we've seen on tape and what we're being coached it's progression it's all I want for my quarter Pro progression 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 get get better game by game by game as this season goes on um I, again I, I couldn't help myself you gave me the you gave me the podium first I was going right for the meat Mr. Brock Purdy I mean, I like it, man. He Brock <laughs> Purdy's on the thumbnail of this video. He's he's in the title of it in in this podcast. So we're gonna roll with it. I, I like it, and yeah, he had the type of performance that definitely warrants, uh, you know, that type of excitement and wanting to bring him up, right? Uh, just you know, the ability to keep his eyes downfield, the way he extends plays. It, it's it's always debated 
you know, what is Brock Purdy doing for this team really by people like outside outsiders, national media, you know, casuals, you know, they're, they're like, well, he's just benefiting from Kyle Shanahan, the playmakers. Yeah. He's benefiting, but he's also bringing his own skill set to the table that is elevating this offense too. And I think that's the difference between Purdy and maybe some other quarterbacks that we've seen in this offense. So Brock Purdy definitely deserves uh, the nomination this week. Um, I'm glad you said it. Look, I want to I wanna go with something that maybe isn't so obvious for this next one, but it am was... Am I rubbing was, off on you, Steph? <laughs> well, no, no. I am not <laughs> voting for Jake Moody, all right? I'm not, I'm not doing that. Uh, but, you know, we were just talking about him, and he filled in for an injured Talano Hufunga. He only played less than two quarters in this game, right? Because he came in after the injury. But he finished with four tackles, three pass breakups, and an interception. In his first, like, game action, by the way, Jair Brown, Mr. Jair Brown. And, I mean, I don't think we can ignore the fact, too, that he was put into some high-pressure moments. Like, he had to cover Mike Evans in the red zone on a fourth and four. He didn't interfere with him at all. Uh, Also... He like he kind of came back to this type of performance after giving up the touchdown. Uh, I think it was it to Cade Otten or yep. the tight end, right? Yeah, up the seam, kind of froze Brown in his place a little bit, but he was able to kind of you know break away from that. He didn't let it uh, affect his confidence clearly, and he has a knack for the ball too, as you guys saw in the interception that he had. Uh, there's a lot of DBs, some veteran DBs that probably wouldn't even be able to make that because like he, he went on, went out and got it and extended his body for that one. And so it, it, there's, there's a reason that at Penn state last two years, he had the most interceptions of any player, right? So any collegiate player. Uh, so you know, Jair Brown, I think I got to give him some flowers for that performance and I'm putting it up putting him up for 49k player of the week uh, i i agree um i agree he bl- belongs in at least this evening's conversation given the scenario in which he stepped into um if you were not paying attention close enough during the game and you were only listening to daryl johnston you would think that that one big play that he gave up was literally the first snap that he was there because they're like, oh, look, they just started attacking the guy who's filling in for Hufunga. And you're like, dude, he's been in there for a half a quarter before this play even <laughs> like took place. Yeah. So it's funny how like commentators can skew your your perception of how a player is actually playing. Um, but I think he he showed some of the things that got us all excited about the the pick in the first place. Just a knack for being around the football whether it's finding the ball carrier, finding the guy with the ball in his hands, or just finding the ball when it's in air, in the air. You know, I think I always say luck luck favors the prepared, right? So like, hey, that Kate Otten one that you mentioned, like Kate Otten catches, yeah. if he doesn't bobble that, we're talking about a touchdown. We're not even talking about this play. But that's why you play a, a play all the way through the whistle, right? And you're in the right step. And you still go attack. And you still lay that hit. I was blown away when they were like, oh, I know what a good idea is. Let's just leave this rookie who's like not even warmed up in this game yet with in single coverage against Mike Evans in the red zone, who's only maybe the best red zone threat in the NFL, right? Like 
didn't seem to add up. But that, to me, that says, you know what? Like, we're going to call the place. And whoever's body is there, and, like, that's confidence in in your player. Um, I think that some of the things that I liked were actually earlier in the game when he got in was just finding the ball carrier. Like, he might not have been making the tackle, but he was certainly one of the two or three that were there, like, stopping the run and wrapping up and, you know, changing um, – yeah their forward progress and things of that nature. And I just, I don't know a lot to, I'm excited. Like I, I, I and I, I don't want to downplay Huff's injury because he's not at Huff's level, but they have a very similar skill set in my opinion, right? Like opportunistic can find the ball carry can find the ball. I don't think this man shies away from contact. So if you want to bring him down to the line of scrimmage, you want to send him on a blitz. I, you know, I think he'll fare well. Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely excited, but, I temper that excitement go forward because, you know, he's still a rookie. Like, I remember last year with Huff, right? His first year as a full-time starter, right? There there were moments that weren't so great. So those those moments will come. Can you overcome them is is the way that I look at it. But, yeah, he played a a great game considering the magnitude of the game in which he, you know, in in which he entered. So, yeah, I, I love it. Yep, yep. Um, excited to see more of him in the future. Yeah, he's gonna have to grow up uh really quick uh within this defense. And I'm sure we can expect to see opposing offenses target him just to see what he's made of, uh, you know, until we get that answer. So Weston, who's your next nominee for 49k player of the week? I'm gonna I'm gonna go away from maybe Obvious because I think we have a couple names we can come back to to you know yeah, round us out. Don't worry about it. We'll... I, I, I'm I'm gonna say Arik Armstead. Yeah, I, I like that one. Twelve pressures, Steph. Insane. Twelve. He that that that's a ridiculous stat, by the way, in a single game. Like I don't understand. I think people understand how many pressures that act. Twelve pressures that equated to ten hurries. Right. He was the highest rated. Essentially, that I mean. Second highest, but again, how they scale these things versus Fred Warner, but a 91.2 pressure grade. He had the sack, he had three tackles, he had a tackle for a loss. He just seemed to be involved in every play, right? Whether he was in the QB's face, pushing the his his you know man into the quarterback and forcing the quarterback to step up or step out right into the arms of another awaiting defender for a cleanup sack. I think for Armstead, this was his most complete game that I've seen yeah. maybe potentially in the last season and a half. Uh, to me, I watched the game again this morning really early. I was up. I couldn't sleep, and I put it back on replay, and I was like, damn, 91 is just, like, jumping off at me. Like, I just like I just I feel like I see him and only him on the field right now. I just thought he played a hell of a football game. And that's crazy because I feel like the Bucks they kind of have a pretty decent offensive line. So for Eric Armstead to be doing that too, even more impressive. Did you mention his sack as well? He had a sack too. Yeah, that's I said the one sack. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. okay. My bad. Um, yeah, but yeah, going back to the pressures, 12 in a game. His previous best for pressures and hurries in a game was in week one of 2021 against the Lions. He had nine pressures and eight hurries. This game he had 12 and 10. Like even even that, like you know, he beat his previous best by a significant amount. So Eric Armstead, I mean, we, we love to see it because there's a lot of people who need to feel like 
vindicated by Eric Armstead and what he's able to do. Like, okay, if if he fills the stat sheet, I feel better about Armstead, which like he does make an impact outside of these numbers. But this was a type of performance that really like vindicates the type of impact that he has totally. on this defensive line, the type of impact he could have on a game. Uh, and so it was just great to see out of him. And I, I hope, I, I don't know if it directly correlates with Chase Young being out there, uh, but I, I'm just happy to see Armstead and, you know, even Bosa getting some action uh, these past couple weeks, because they're going to need it, you know, going into this, this stretch of the season here. So happy for Armstead. To that last point, Steph, like we've been talking about the Hufunga injury and Jair Brown stepping up. You know how you mask that? You continue to get pressure, right? What made made Jair Brown's like PBU look so impressive on Mike Evans? It was an errant throw, but it was because there was pressure in Baker's face and he couldn't step into the throw and had to put it up. That is a defensive back's best friend is a pass rush and – doesn't always have to get home. Disrupt the throw. Don't let them step, you know, get a, a full throwing motion. Throw off their back, their heels, whatever it is, right? Um, so this all bodes well at a very thankless position. Nobody loves their D tackles, right? It's not the most attractive. <laughs> unless you're Aaron Donald, Javon Hargrave, maybe Defoe back in the day. Like, most people don't know the names of de- their defensive tackles, but they can tell you who their edge rushers are. Um, but big game from Armstead. Yeah, I love it. Want to see more of it. Um, We love that for Armstead. Now, I am going to go back to the offense for a bit. And a guy who had maybe his best game as a pro as well, uh, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, what an incredible performance from Ayuk on Sunday. He accounted for 156 yards and a touchdown, including, you know, the 76-yarder that Brock Purdy threw to him. He's averaging 19.3 yards per catch. And I mentioned this in an earlier show, um, nearly 90% of his catches are going for a first down. That's crazy. That's great. Like he's, he's moving the chains. Uh, He's become like this downfield guy for the 49ers. And that's something the 49ers haven't had. (laughs) Like, I don't remember the last time they had like a downfield threat. But Brandon Ayuk is kind of becoming that guy for this team. Sure, like maybe he's not the kind of guy who's going to consistently be scoring like a deep touchdown. He's not a Tyreek Hill or anything like that. He's not like a burner. That's not what I'm saying. But, I mean, I think he can operate at any level of the field. We already know he can get open against pretty much anyone. And right now, the chemistry that he's built with Brock Purdy is starting to show each and every week, right? So I'm excited for Brandon Ayuk this season. I mean, I think everything that he's, like all the previous years, he's kind of been building towards this moment, right, for him. And so I'm really excited for him. I think he's he's on pace to finish the year with a little over 1,400 yards. I think, like, David Lombardi said 15, a little over 1500 yards. I don't know who's right. Cause Nick Wagner said 1400 in any case, that's the most that a 49ers, you know, wide receiver has had in a really long time. Right. I don't mm. probably since T.O. Since T.O. Probably. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Right. You know? So yeah, I mean, it, it's great to have Brennan Ayuk in the helm. People were trying to 
trade him away. <laughs> People were trying to, uh, you know, let him go in the off season before the season has even ended. Like, come on, people, let's just enjoy what Brendan Ayuk is doing for this team each and every week. And uh, if it's putting up over 150 yards, I think we could safely say he's going to be uh, a 49k Player of the Week candidate uh, many, many more weeks for okay. this uh, for this show. But for Week 11, I have him on here. I mean, just a hell of a game. You know, you mentioned 19 plus yards per reception on the year, 31 yards per reception yesterday. He's just always open. He's just always open. It's just, does Brock have enough time? And that's a whole nother problem we'll talk about. Is Does he have enough time to get to him the progression and, you know, get the ball to him? And, you know, what I think is so crazy is how far we've come from like, the Ayuk and Kyle's doghouse years, yeah. right? To like where we are now, where Kyle's dialing up the plays for him, right? Like he is option one. They showed it a whole bunch, yeah. but when they sent him across the motion, um, sent him across the formation in motion, they bow him out and then bow him all the way back across. Like that takes a long time to develop. And if you can, if you can get that time, I mean, there's nobody around this guy. Like yeah. nobody. It's, incredible how wide open he is at all times on the field it's he's by far and away and again this is not a knock on, on number 19 but brandon Ayuk is the best wide receiver on this football team and it would be a drastic mistake to not do everything you can to re-sign him going into next season drastic I agree. mistake oh i agree 100 that's a whole nother topic but I, yeah. I i i'm with you um who, who's your next uh nominee here I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. Um, I'll stay offense. Okay. 85. Yeah. George Kittle, eight for 89 in the TD. You know, another one where you talk about his catches just seem to be like well-timed. The one that stands out to me uh, might not have looked like much, but it was actually right before the IU touchdown, right? Where you're back up against the goal line and other ones where he comes across the formation, you quickly get it out to him. He just, he just seems to be that guy. And I've talked about this before with you, Steph, and you've, you know, you just, you've agreed, but the offense just looks different when 85 gets five plus touches in a game. He's special with the ball in his hands. He's physical. They tend to go for first downs or, or big plays as well. Um, and then we talk about what Brock's getting really good at those layered throws getting over. You start hitting Kittle, and he's another one you can hit over the middle of the field, but you start hitting him a little closer to the line of scrimmage on those things. What does it really actually do? Brings the linebackers closer mm. to the line of scrimmage, and then that that throw over top or in the second level just gets a little easier for your quarterback as well. I just I, it, it to me, it's no shock that Kittle's had two of his best games these last two weeks, and look how the offense has looked, and look at the result of that game as well. I was just saying in the show earlier that it feels like when Kittle is involved, it, it almost feels like a bonus for this offense. And it just adds that little extra oomph to to the offense and, and the game uh, for the 49ers that it's like a spark, right? And and it kind of feels weird when they're not tapping into that, right? Like when we're seeing games where he's barely getting any targets, you know, things like that, which we have seen those weird stretches, right? It, it's just odd. But when he gets back involved, it's like, ah, there we go. The offense, it feels like it just hits like another level. And it's just another playmaker on this field that, 
can make a big impact on the game. I mean, he had uh, eight catches, 89 yards, touchdown. It is nothing too major, but I mean, he's a chain mover as well. Five of those catches went for a first down. And again, it just feels like a bonus having him involved. And I'm glad the 49ers were kind of forced to rediscover him when Debo was out, but they've kept him involved even when Debo's come back. And I love that because it's just another guy that defenses have to account for. And again, that opens things up for other guys. So I kind of feel like, you know, we're seeing a lot of Kittle lately. Maybe, you know, in the coming weeks, maybe we see more Debo. I don't know. Like, because you never know. Like, it, it takes sometimes a couple of games to set up uh, someone else kind of exploding uh, for some plays, right? And that's just how this offense works. This is the mastery of what is Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid or all your top play make play callers in this league. They put things on tape and they put a large enough sample size that it's no secret that like the, the MVP talks around McCaffrey have slowed down and the production has not been the same as it was through the first five weeks because the tape is there and it says, oh, I'd rather number 13 beat me than number 23 beat me. There's going to be enough games yeah. where you're going to say, we got to take 85 out of the game. And then you forget about 19, exactly. right? Exactly. Like it's just the way that it goes. Um, but that is, that is like he's the benefit a, of having this embarrassment of riches, you know? It's like he trains, he's training defenses and, yep. and uh, defensive coordinators. He's, he's hanging the carrot in front of them. And, Little puppet master. just pulling Yeah, exactly. Strings, yeah. Know? Like you <laughs> joked about it, right? And everybody joked about it so yesterday. True. Like the whole Elijah Mitchell thing. Right. Like it's just, so oh, true. you guys don't want him in there. No problem. I'm just going to run him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> For a whole then, series, yeah, yeah, and then next runs week, in a it'll row. Be, it'll be Mason, right? Like it's just the way it's just it's it's wild, but uh, you can only just... do that when you have players at those positions, you know. Yeah, Who you got? absolutely. Is it okay? Yeah, I forgot. Kittle was your <laughs> vote. I did have him in mind too, so glad we got that one out. Um, this is my final one here, but it's a good one, and it was his birthday yesterday, and he had a great game, Fred Warner. Dude was on a tear, man. Like he had 12 tackles, a batted pass, a pass breakup, a hurry, a sack, seven stops, only 20 yards allowed in his coverage. I mean, he was he was doing anything and everything. We we already know Fred Warner does a whole lot for this team, but I feel like that stat line right there really just shows how many different facets of the defense he can contribute to. And I mean, it's just great to see out of the best linebacker in the game. Right. Again, like we can do this maybe every week for Fred Warner. Um, and so that he's definitely my vote. Well, not my vote, but one of my candidates yeah. for 49 K play of the week. I, Oh yeah. And the forced fumble. Sorry. And the forced fumble. I, yeah. You're right. Man, um, how did I forget that? it's funny like yeah i agree we could probably say this every week about fred but i think it was really important this week like it was just yeah. it just felt on a bigger stage in the sense of like this was a must-win game this is like when you look at the schedule ahead this is not one you could have afforded to like drop because there's going to be a difficult stretch here you know specifically four of the next five games are not going to be um you know cakewalks but what do we talk a lot about in the losses? God, they just feel like a step or two behind, right? It looks slower. It looks sluggish. 
I, that Fred Warner looked everything but slow, you know, yesterday. If I had to knock him for anything, like, why are you getting P.I. in the end zone, dude, and letting him score that early? But, like, by the way, that wasn't even in the end zone. I, I like, I think they rectified it and said, at the one, or it would have been at the one anyway. Did it really matter? But it just made me mad when they're, like, in the end zone. I was like, who's watching this game? But in any case, he just – he's a tone setter. He's just an absolute yeah. tone setter. This, this is what we were saying before. Like, yeah, losing Huff stinks. But it ain't anything like losing what like 54 and what he brings to that defense and to this team. And I, he's on my list too, Steph. It was just a matter of I was the one who got to lob him out there or you at this point. But like it was really obvious like how critical he is to the success of this defense. Yeah, and, and I want to say that a big part of the reason we didn't see Chris Godwin all that much is because guys like Fred Warner and even Drake Greenlaw, yep. you know, honorable mention for him too, uh, were just crowding the intermediate intermediate levels of the field as they always do, right? Rashad White as well, who they like to involve heavily in their past game, had six catches, just 28 yards. Godwin, six catches, 39 yards. So. I think they had a, a big, a big, you know, guys like Fred Warner uh, being in the mix and, and limiting those guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I, did Godwin even have a catch in the first half? I don't even think he did. Evans had one, yeah, and it was for a touchdown. You know, like you said, I mean, Rashad White is usually a pretty big focal point in this past game, and that was taken away and. You know, it's it's like any it's like anything. You start taking away your bags of tricks. What do you what do you do now? You know, and that's what Fred Ward exactly. he's like the he is the equalizer. Like he is the ultimate equalizer on the defense side of the ball. All right. Do you have any other nominees? No, I it like can I do like an honorable mention and I'm gonna yeah, be generic here? It. I'm gonna say the entire defensive line. Um we I, like I think the team, if I remember correctly, accounted for here, I could probably just look at this, right? Pass rush accounted for 38 total pressures. The defensive line specifically, anybody who lines up on that front four responsible for 32 of those 38 pressures. Nice. That is a lot of pressure on a defense. <laughs> I don't know what else. Like that is, that's just living in their backfield. That's just disrupting yeah. things. And I honestly, like, look, they're going to play better offensive lines along the way. I get that. Um, but early in this edition of Chase Young, right? Like you're you're seeing it gel, you're seeing it come to fruition. So thought they all played well. Everybody contributed, right? Chase had five, Hargrave had four, Bosa had nine, Armstead had twelve. You know, Farrell gets in the game, um, Kinlaw gets in in on the the action a little bit. Like that's just a lot of pressure from your guys, and we all know what they have invested in that that defensive line. So it's it's nice to see it kind of pan out to go with the six sacks in the game or whatever it amount five sacks you know whatever it was yeah i mean it's, it's definitely nice to see and it's part of the reason why the 49ers haven't needed to blitz all that much they're finally getting pressure with the guys they have up front and you know it's nice to see we that's part of the reason we've seen this uh defense as a whole kind of return to form right yep. so you know the big reason for those guys up front Credit to them. Nice honorable mention right there. I'm trying to get the um the screen up with the uh our candidates up on the screen. It's just loading and it's taking a while. So the I'll wheel just, of death. Oh, here it is. All right. So here's who we have for 
49K Player of the Week candidates for Week 11, Brock Purdy, Jair Brown, Eric Armstead, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Fred Warner. You've heard all the great things we've had to say about these players up to this point in this episode. Now, your turn to vote in the comments. Let us know who you think should be 49K Player of the Week for Week 11. In the meantime, as you guys vote, me and uh, Weston are going to put some guys on notice. Uh, That's still think? allowed after a W, I think. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, I'm just curious who you're thinking. Um, thinking the entire offensive line, if I'm being realistic Ooh, here, especially Spencer uh, Burford. Um, here's my big problem with this. And this goes back to what I was talking about, like how the run game has suffered. Um, but pass blocking with... I have a real issue when at the end of the day, like your best highest rated pass blocker for the game is Christian McCaffrey. It's no wonder this man can't come off the field. He is outstanding in pass pro. And anybody who says otherwise is just not watching and just wants to chip at somebody to chip at somebody. Cause we all exist, right? Like, you know, my kryptonite was Derek Jeter. I know how good he was, but I just hated him. So, like, I chipped at everything when he did wrong. But that being said, like, Christian McCaffrey, like, I know we're like, give him a break, get him off the field, do all this, but he literally does everything for you. Like, he catches the ball out of the backfield. He's your best running back. He's arguably in your top three wide receivers, and he plays running back. And week after week, he's your most efficient pass blocker and my god he's just not afraid to get in the mix and he sticks with the blocks and he does those things chris you know what i'm not it's i'm not going after the offensive line i'm gonna go after chris forrester in this one and say you gotta get more okay. you gotta get more you gotta get more from these guys and hopefully it looks a little bit better because here's what's gonna happen banks is gonna come back eventually and they're gonna slide feliciano out and i think unfortunately for spencer burford it's probably the end of his run um at least in the 2023 campaign if i had to guess and I like them. them I out. like rooting. I like rooting for them. It's just, I, I, Steph, they had him at a 15. 15 was his PFF pass block rate yesterday. 15. Ooh, that's bad. I, I was afraid of that matchup because he was going to have to go up against Vita Bea. I yeah. knew it. Writing was on the wall. Um, yeah, I'm sure the 49ers can't wait for Aaron Banks to come back so they can, you know, move Feliciano. Uh, over there I mean do you do you feel like anything of the offensive line had to do with the fact that you know they're dealing with Feliciano being at left guard they're not at full squad I know uh McKivitz played in this game but he was on the injury report throughout the week like yeah, yeah. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt no, no and, and you're right in giving them benefit of the doubt right because the truth is like Man for man, person for person, like, you know, sometimes the the individual that lines up across from you is just better than you, right? Is bigger than you, stronger than you, faster than you, whatever it might be. And you can only do what you can do. So I'm not going to ever knock anybody's effort, right? This is the NFL. Like, defenses get paid too, right? And they have good players as well, like Avita Vea, who's who eats everybody alive. It's not just this game for me. It's the last five games, the three losses and even like, even against Jacksonville, it didn't look great at times. You know what I mean? It looked shaky yeah. and some plays happen that, you know, we're so short-sighted and we're like recency bias that you just 
hey, you look at the score, like we won, everything was perfect. And like the truth is like, no, you know, like you can glean a lot from that W just like you could a loss. And, you know, I, I just, they need more or the issue that like it's, it's clearly not truly hindering the passing game because things are rocking and rolling there. But when it's taking away like, okay, Trent Williams was the highest rated run blocker yesterday. Well, behind use check. But then it's like, it's not close really after that, right? And you see like steep drop off. If we can't run the football, you can ki- you can kiss your Super Bowl hopes goodbye because that's what this team was built to do and to, and to open up the passing game. That's that's all I'm asking. It's just we need a little more. I just need a little. I can't be seeing 15s in the PFF grades. Yeah, no, you know. That's that's yeah, that's pretty bad. No, um, I respect it. Uh, I also don't have one specific player to to put on notice, and, and so it isn't as much as who I'm putting on notice, but what. And I'm kind of calling the entire team out for this right here. Uh, just some of the little mistakes they can stand to improve. First of all, the penalties I, I still see as as being a bit of an issue here. 49ers had seven penalties again on Sunday. Uh, they also had seven the week prior. Uh, I don't have to tell you how bad they were penalties during the losing streak, but on Sunday, seven penalties, 66 yards. They had more than the Bucks had, and the Bucks ranked 31st in yeah. in the league in penalties per game. Uh, the Bucks, I think, only had like three or something like that. So. Something yeah. that the 49ers could continue to improve. I just haven't really seen the week-to-week improvement uh, for the penalties quite yet. So I need to see it. Another thing, third downs. What yeah. happened? I mean, the words right out four of, of 11. I mean, four of 10 on third downs. In as we mentioned earlier, the their fourth down attempt wasn't successful either. They're only one of the day. Uh, that can stand to improve. I feel like last week, uh, was kind of more of the same for them. So, guys, you got to get this together. And I'm trying to look it up really quickly. Uh, um, you have me laughing, Steph, because you say third down, and I'm like agreeing with you, but I'm also like I'm looking at it on the opposite side. Defense on third down. Like Whoa, needing oh, to yeah, get off we, could the, probably, we could probably say both. <laughs> yeah, just needing to get off the field. Like it just feels like it's a – and they're not like third and ones, right? Where they're getting the whatever they call it, the brotherly shove, you know, like oh, for the first down or some QB sneak. No, it's third and decent, third and seven pluses that they just seem to to continuously be given up. And like, you know, those those kill you, you know, like those kill you. You want to get off the field, you want to rest your defense. Um, but I agree with you. Third downs on both sides of the ball uh need to be a little bit more efficient. And, and I just looked it up on offense. They were fourth of 12 last week too. So not great for, for the third downs. And last week in the red zone, they were one of four, you know, this week they struggled again this week. I was like, you know what? The bucks have the best uh, red zone defense. So I'll, I'll cut them some slack, but the Jaguars didn't. So, I mean, two weeks in a row now, the same type of struggles, so those are the things that need to improve during this tough stretch here, uh, during the games against all the birds of the NFL. Um, the birds. It's the bird yeah, week. Literally, We're like on the bird someone, run, yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone like posted the, the schedule for the next few weeks. It's just all the bird teams. Um, so let's go hunting. <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> Guys, if you haven't voted yet, please vote in the comments for 49K Player of the Week. We got a couple votes, but I see some of you guys are on and you're not voting. Help us out here. Uh, Weston, who is your vote for this week? I led with them to start the show. It's, it's Brock, and there's you can't convince me otherwise. Yeah, I have a really tough time like coming off of Brock like not like I mean I I just have to at the same time like Armstead that was his best game uh that he's ever time. had yeah or ever like if you statistically if you're looking at just like pressures and hurries alone um and then Ayuk like that was also his his best game of his career so man Longest it's a it's, catch of the season in the NFL it's tough to beat out the quarterback in any type of like voting like this. That's I why the kids play quarterback. quarterback stuff. They know what glory comes <laughs> with it. That's why they all want to be quarterback uh, in the backyard, you know? You know, I I am going to go with uh, Purdy as well. So that just means that we have a tie, and then we'll, <laughs> every we need, week we we need a we need a like tie. It, it had been a couple weeks since we had a tiebreaker, so we need someone to break up the tie between Brock Purdy, Fred Warner, um, someone in the comments. Please save us. But you know, while I got while a text someone... from somebody who's not commenting, oh, oh, and they, they said Warner. They say Warner. Did, did they? Yeah. Are you just making something no, up? No, no. I'll show it to you if you want. It says Warner. They're like, okay, all right. I won't, I won't embarrass this individual, but they're like, I don't know how to comment, so they text me instead. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's that's precious. Um, <laughs> all right. So then, Fred Warner is is our forty nine k player of the week for week eleven. Then in that case, and I mean, he definitely did deserve it. That was he he was all Hell over the game. place in this game. game. It was it was his birthday, so you know we 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 got to give it to him too oh no we got, we got another vote in the 11th no. hour and and landon picks purdy so we're no, back i, I will not have my child mess this up for us we've already <laughs> made the announcement we are congratulations fred warner thank you for listening to the show <laughs> that's so funny um uh. hold on my yeah my dad i think is trying to vote too um so I guess I'm finding people having a hard time like voting, um, but you yeah, know, technology's a hell of a thing, isn't it, staff? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess so. Maybe it, we'll blame YouTube, but you know, <laughs> we we appreciate you all of you guys who help us vote every week and and tune in every week. We love doing these shows; they're so much fun. It's always great to have you guys involved in the comments. Uh, make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Not just mine, but Weston's channel as well. Uh, we really appreciate it. Weston, why don't you plug your, your channel really quick? Let people know uh, what else you got going on this week. Yeah, so we're talking football podcast. Uh, some changes will come down the line, but that's where it is for now. Um, and we're going to be talking a lot more 49er ball. You can catch me doing some a little post game, a little pre game, what to expect, all that fun. But, you know, I, Steph, I, I can't agree with you more. I just love doing this show, win or loss. I feel like we always have a lot of fun. We talk real ball, but sprinkle in our, our true selves in these conversations. So I really yep. enjoy it. Yeah, as do I. And uh, we have a big game coming up on Thursday, but me and Weston are going to continue to do the show on Monday. We're going to enjoy the nice break after Thanksgiving. 
Um, and so we'll have a lot of time to think about our candidates for next week. Make sure you guys join us then. But for now, have a good rest of your Monday, folks. Peace.